Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, listeners. From home or on the road? Cat's a favorite story. You are listening to Cat the Story, the podcast where in each episode we bring you great stories told by dear storytellers. I'm your host, Lucia Matuonto, and it's time to Cat the Story. Our first storyteller is Thomas R. Wilson. Thomas is a dynamic individual encompassing roles such as storyteller, writer, advocate, mentor, and public speaker. Hello, my name is Thomas R. Wilson, and today I'm going to share with you a bit of the story of my life. I currently am someone who is an advocate, a writer, a journalist, a storyteller, a game master, and so much more because I believe in the power of stories. I believe in the power of writing. I believe in the power of creativity. I've known that since I was a kid, since I was a youth living in the mental health community. I have been called a monster. I have been called fake. I have been called freak from so many people. All because at a certain point in my life, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. At another, I was diagnosed with autism. At another, I was diagnosed with ADHD. The amount of diagnosis, the amount of times in my life when I have been labeled, the amount of times when I have known someone or seen someone who has not quite understood my story, not quite understood the labels put on me are astronomical. I remember being a youth, living through life, hating myself because I was so different. I was so odd to so many people. I remember turning to writing. I remember turning to stories because they were modern myths about people overcoming, outdoing great evils. And for me in my life, one of those evils was very much the idea that I was living with something that made me angry, made me sad, and made me frustrated when I wanted to be kind, when I wanted to be compassionate, when I wanted to be loved, and all I did was yell in, in anger. And as a kid, that's a scary thing. As a kid, that's something that we don't know how to handle. And for me, it was my diagnosis. But I'll tell you now, as an adult in my 30s, 
one of the great things I've learned about my life, one of the great things I've come to accept as best I can, is that those experiences, that label, those things, they could actually be used for good. And I don't want to paint the picture that my diagnosis is evil. I don't want to paint the picture that people with disabilities are bad. There's so much media in the world right now, so much hostility towards these communities, and there's so many media outlets that paint people with mental illness as bad, as vile, as angry, when there is so much proof that the opposite is true. Now, I can tell you so much about my life. I can focus on the negative. I can focus on the idea that somehow I overcame great struggle. Somehow I did, and I did. I over overcome a lot in my life. But I really want to focus on a particular part of my story. I want to focus on the idea that when we embrace who we are, when we embrace empathy and compassion and the power of stories and creativity as a whole, we can really uplift our life. Now, like I said, I've lived a very rough life. I've had a lot of privilege in my life that is not denied. But I spent a lot of my life on the outside, a lot of my life in a sense and that somehow there was something wrong with me and people projected that onto me teachers projected that onto me people who were supposed to protect me projected that onto me and if it weren't for people who taught me the opposite like my mother and certain individuals and adults in my life i wouldn't have learned that but as i was going through this process as i was going through this idea of struggling of hating myself, of hating my diagnosis, one of the real things I did learn was the idea that somehow there was something beautiful in me. I spent a lot of my life transitioning into stories. I actually published several books based around my struggles, my poetry, my, my life as someone with these diagnoses. One of the things I learned in that was not only are stories a great way of healing, as these were my processes of understanding and developing and empowering myself. I also learned there's a lot of people out there who just need empathy. They need to be treated as though they are of value, of they are something indescribably beautiful, but they don't believe it. And so after I started writing my books, I really found myself in the realm of advocacy, fighting for that love, fighting for that love for people who don't have it. Fighting for people who had even less than what I had. And in the last 12 years, I have moved my story as someone who was once a victim. And I use once a victim because I believe you, it's okay to be a victim. It's okay to hurt. But the greater power in become becomes in being a survivor. It comes in fighting for yourself, fighting for your community, and being eventually more than a survivor it is a successor is someone with power and in my life in the last 12 years i've run sensory friendly events i've run um, storytelling that lifts up community voices i've worked with underserved communities i've built a business i've built a career around the mindsets of empathy and compassion and none of that would have happened 
if I didn't learn the beauty myself, but I didn't learn the beauty in the community, there's so much power in those moments where people make fun of us because there's so much power to challenge that and to change a mind. To give someone an alternative to something that is hateful and mean and to meet them in what could very really be hurt for themselves and a misunderstanding of their own pain. I mentioned as a youth, I wanted to respond in love and compassion, but my body processed anger and fear and anxiety. And I spent my entire life trying to be better and better at community and at communication. I'm not going to say that there's one golden answer to be better at communication because there's so many complexities that communication is a lifelong understanding. It's a lifelong practice. It's a lifelong goal of mine to be better and to be better and to constantly try harder. I know a lot of people try very hard to be like, hey, here's your one answer. But human beings are complex, constantly evolving, constantly thinking, constantly processing individuals. And I also mentioned that I have become a business owner. And one of the foundations of that, like I've stated, is empathy. But it's also the understanding that people, when they are going through pain, when they're going through hurt, when they're going through anguish, one of the things they really need is someone to listen, someone to help them share their voice. I've spent a lot of my life in the realm that somehow if someone would just listen and make me feel less alone, things would be a lot better. And I built a community, I'm building a community around the idea that if someone feels that, we need to come alongside them, we need to help them share their voice. Because there's so many great things in me sharing my voice, but helping the community, helping people understand that it isn't one person who should be talking. It isn't one person doing the work. It isn't one person who should matter. All people matter. I've heard more and more that, you know, if all people are special, no one's special. I am a big believer that that is not true. I think that is a mindset to keep people down. And I think the mindset should be all people are special. We all have our talents. We all have our strengths. We all have our beautiful contributions to life. I know some people use the term high and low functioning or you're not functioning. And the thing that irritates me in that as someone who had been told that as someone who had been held back by that is that we all function, we all flow, we all move in our own ways and we contribute to the world in our own ways, whether or not we work or if we do, that we are working in a capacity that makes us happy. I have mentioned so much from my ideas to my philosophies, but I want to tell you a bit about the work I actually do and why it matters. I have worked with over 40 businesses across Colorado in my area. I've started beginning international interest. I've published books. I've done sensory-friendly events. I've created classes and camps. But the beautiful aspect of this is it's not just me. All I'm doing is coming alongside people, helping them learn skills, and helping them go out into the community and practice and emphasize and understand themselves better. In the end of the day, it's not just my success. I believe that if we come alongside people, 
like certain people did for me. If we build programs that actually work for people by understanding that accessibility is not just physical access, it's not just auditory noise. True accessibility is understanding and adapting to all of who a person is. That's sensory, that's physical, that's emotional, that's spiritual, that's mentally. And these programs can be hard to develop, but they need people who do the work. And my story is in understanding all of these aspects and putting them with precision, with care, with the love and respect I wish other people had for me from time to time. And yes, I am not perfect. I am not going to be the end-all be-all of this work. But this work matters. My story matters. The people I work with matter because their voices matter, because they matter as people. Because if we work together as people, we can really emphasize the ideas of empathy and understanding. I know there's a lot of people in the world right now who are saying people are too sensitive or too weak, and I disagree with that. I think a lot of people place value on being rigid and emotionally stunned, but that's not how we get better. That's not how we live. That's not how I do my work. I understand where someone is at an emotional level. I hear their voice. I listen to their pain. I help them better understand it. I think the frustration in me when people say that people are weak or they're frilly for not being cold and rigid and stunned emotionally is that that's someone just projecting their pain and their frustration and their misery into the world. That's someone who didn't have those resources that I myself offer and many people offer. It's a pain that is being projected and communicated in a hostile way. It almost seems like me as a kid who when I didn't understand the skills to be better and work with people better, I just tossed out my frustration into the world and that's not how things should be. My story can go on and on like this for so much, but there are a few takeaways I really want to focus on. One, my story is based in empathy, not just for myself, but for all people. Two, I believe that if we really work as people, we can build programs, we can build events, we can build so much into the world where ideas and thoughts and power around making sure people are valued is secured. And three, that if you've heard my story, I know I very loosely touched on my pain, but I think for those of you who heard it and understand can know there are difficulties in those moments as being a youth who is not powered, empowered. There is pain in people making fun of me and mistreating me and authority figures telling me I'm a monster. There's real pain there. So what I really want you to know at the end of the day, if all you need to hear is you are valued, you are important, and your voice deserves to be heard, I hope you have heard that in this moment. My name is Thomas R. Wilson. I hope you are having a good day. I hope you are having a lovely day. If you want to contact me, my email is at ndttrpg at gmail. I always welcome questions. I always welcome voices. I love to talk to you another time, and I hope you have a wonderful day. As the driving force behind RNH, creative advocacy, and storytelling, 
Thomas dedicates himself to empowering underserved communities and amplifying diverse voices. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, let's welcome our next guest, Patricia Bradley. Patricia is a USA Today best-selling romantic suspense writer based in the Deep South. While I now write romantic suspense novels, I cut my teeth on short stories. Blood Kin is one of my favorites. I hope you enjoy. There, here you go, Uncle Will. One more and you're done for the day. Charlie Benton dropped a pill into the outstretched hand. After his uncle swallowed it, Charlie took the glass of water, then fluffed the pillow behind the old man's head. Will banked Benton sank back in the recliner. Thank you, Charlie. You're a good nephew, and I really do appreciate you giving me blood like you did. Uncle Will, that was three months ago. I'm your only living relative. I couldn't stand by and not help. Dr. Hayes says you're lucky to be alive, as it is, big as that ulcer was. Hayes don't know squat. I asked him the other day why I wasn't getting no better. He just said it took longer for a man my age to heal that old quack already has me dead and buried. Charlie tucked the worn African under the old man's neck. So why did you keep going to him all these years? Ain't no other doctors around here except them fuzzy cheek boys that ain't dry behind the ears yet. Bad enough I had to let one of them look inside my stomach. If old Hayes hadn't seen the ulcer himself, I still wouldn't believe it. Doc might be a quack, but he's forgotten more than they'll ever know. We'll push the African away. Seriously, son, I don't know what I'd do without you. Uncle Will, with your money, you could hire round-the-clock nurses to come in here. He knew his uncle would never pay good money for something he could get for free. You know I don't want no strangers around. You're here and that's enough. And don't forget... Don't you worry, when I get pass on, I won't forget everything you've done. Charlie wagged his finger at him. I don't need your money. Wouldn't be any left at the rate the old man was giving it away. He placed the evening paper beside his uncle's chair. So how much did you give away this week? As if he didn't already know. The faded blue eyes brightened and the old man visibly strengthened. Ten million, and when we get back from our little trip to the mountains, the papers for the hospital trust will be ready. When I'm gone, they'll get the last three million. The old man grinned up at Charlie. Who'd have thought that little old piece of land I bought for next to nothing would have brought in all that oil? 
or that you would have had the good judgment to sell when you did and invest it so well. Will patted Charlie's hand. When I'm gone, you'll be the last Benton and Bentonville. Only right that you be in charge of every one of them trusts. Of course, there'll be a nice little salary in it for you. Thanks for the vote of confidence, Uncle Will. I'll do my best. Charlie all but choked on the words. Just six months ago, he'd found a copy of his uncle's latest will listing him as the only beneficiary. He'd almost been able to smell the money. Then his uncle began setting up trust. A million here, a million there, and next thing Charlie knew, there was only the three million left, and he wasn't letting it get away from him. If he did, the only thing he'd get was that nice little salary. And knowing his uncle, it would be about $100 a month. So he watched and waited until three months ago when Will Benton's ulcer sent him to the hospital. Will fumbled with the newspaper, and Charlie helped him find the sports section. How about I make you some cocoa? In the kitchen, Charlie spooned instant chocolate and a cup of milk. The autumn leaves ought to be pretty up on the mountain tomorrow, he called. Then he took a bottle from his pocket and emptied the contents in the cup before warming the milk. Arsenic. He started putting it in his uncle's food the day he came back from the hospital, gradually increasing it each day as the old man's body built up a tolerance for it. Will and even Dr. Hayes blamed the resulting stomach cramps and nausea on the ulcers. We'll leave in time to have lunch at that nice inn you like, Charlie said, as he handed the cocoa to his uncle, and then go on to your cabin. Hope I feel like going. Will cradled the warm cup in his hand and slowly sipped the drink. I just ain't getting no better. Fresh air and a change in scenery will be good for you. Charlie hesitated. This had to be handled just right. Uncle Will, I talked to Dr. Hayes and told him you weren't improving. I know how you feel about him, but he's not the doctor he used to be. And like I told him, maybe you need some fresh tests or one of those specialists. Don't be bad-mouthing Doc Hayes, and I don't need no tests. Doc says I'm doing okay. That's good enough for me. Charlie turned to hide a smile. The old man was like putty in his hands. Once he had him at the cabin, he'd give him a final dose of arsenic. It'd have to be big. With his, blood, his uncle's blood laced with poison like it was, it'd take a dose big enough to kill a horse to do the trick. Then it would be over. The three million would be his, and everyone would think his uncle died from bleeding ulcers. Will drained the last drop of cocoa from the cup and smacked. That was fine. You're too good to me, Charlie. The funeral a week later was the largest Benton Bill had seen in years. Didn't think old Will had it in him to put out for something as grand as this, an elderly woman sniffed to no one in particular. Then as the coffin was lowered into the ground, mourners gathered around the last living Benton. The mayor put his arm around the old man. Will, it's such a pity about the accident that took Charlie, he said. Too bad that transfusion you gave him didn't help. How'd you give him blood, you being so sick and all? It was the least I could do after all he did for me, Will replied. Why, he went out in the pouring rain for milk to make cocoa, and that confounded car slid off the road and rolled three times. Happened right before my eyes. 
Out of earshot of Will Benton, Dr. Hayes turned to the sheriff. It's agreed then? We don't tell the old man Charlie was poisoning him? Nah, the sheriff replied. What would it accomplish? Charlie's dead and Will's getting better every day. Charlie almost got away with it, Dr. Hayes marveled. Never occurred to me Will's problems were anything but ulcers. Same symptoms. Why didn't it show up in some of his blood tests? Arsenic doesn't show up unless you check for it, and you don't check unless you suspect it. Pure luck, the medics found that little package of white powder in his bags. They thought it was cocaine. When it turned out to be arsenic, everything fell into place. The sheriff chuckled. Can you imagine what went through Charlie's mind when he woke up and found out he had his uncle's blood in him? The two men joined the mourners standing around Will Benton as he lamented over his nephew. <clears throat> there we were, 50 miles from nowhere and him bleeding to death, Will was saying. And when that park ranger said Charlie would die without an immediate blood transfusion, I rolled up my sleeve and said, set her up. Wasn't no other choice, him being blood kin and all. Will shook his head. Poor Charlie. When he came to and found out what I did, his last words were, Uncle Will, you really shouldn't have. That boy was thoughtful to the end. And there you have Bloodkin. I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, I hope you'll check out my romantic suspense novels. I have one releasing in February of 2024. It, you can find the information on my website. Patricia also serves is the co-founder of Aiming for Health Families Incorporation. This organization focuses on promoting abstinence and fostering healthy relationships, equipping youth with the skills to make informed choices. And that's all for today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have a story that you want us to catch, submit it on our website at www.relatable-media.com. Thank you for listening. And whether you are at home or on the road, we hope you catch this story. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.